Hey guys, before we get into the show, I wanted to share with you why we do this podcast to grow our business and how you can do the same for yours. If you've got a B2B business you're trying to grow, start a podcast, invite your ideal prospect on as a guest, and use the time you have together to build a genuine business relationship. Then take the opportunity to create content together and publish it as partners in the marketplace. We've done this time and time again for ourselves and for our customers because it provides an authentic way to build a network and brand while avoiding outdated tactics like cold calling or cold email blasts. Plus, you'll be able to build brand equity with your audience that provides compounded results over time. For more information on how you can get started, check out www.strafire.com slash start your show. Welcome to The Startup Show, where each episode we sit down with founders, entrepreneurs, and marketers to discuss how they've grown their B2B businesses and share strategies and tactics that you can use to grow yours. You can keep up to date with new episodes by heading over to thestartupshow.us or subscribing on the podcast platform of your choice. All right, without further ado, let's dive into today's show. All right, so we've got BT here on the show, Brian Trotschold. Did I say that correctly? Pretty close. How yeah, say it? Brian Trotschold. Trotschold. It's like a hard consonant in the middle. But Most people all... add like L's or M's into my last name, so Velasquez, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, we were probably living the same life growing yeah. up where our names were just butchered every, yeah. every school year. Yep. Yeah. Calling out. Uh, and he is the COO of Ambition, which I know you're going to talk about a little bit sure. um, with us, but thanks for joining us. Been excited to, uh, to have you on. We had... Jeremy Boudinay on Excellent. a year and a half ago. Yep. Amazing, some, amazing human being. Yep. Had some good Steelers takes at the time <laughs> as well as content. Um, and so, yeah, been, been looking forward to having you on. So tell us real quick a little bit about how you got started, how ambition came to fruition and, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. I mean, the shortest version, I would say uh, we, my co-founders and I were three really weird guys in college where we'd like hang out in the library and like sneak beers in our backpack and then get in one of those rooms you could like book with a whiteboard and just like come up with ideas for companies we want to start uh you know 10 11 i guess more like 12 years ago now um and we never really stopped doing that so once we graduated we graduated kind of into um i would say like the first or second inning of the financial crisis it was 2009 um, and those two guys, Travis and Jared went to become ski bums, which was an awesome decision. I went to sell uh, software at a company called HP and learned a lot, learned that I didn't really like a lot of the things that happened at HP and how people were managed and all like how, you know, I was developed as a young salesperson. So long story short, we, uh, we finally decided to take the leap, start our first company in 2011 did two uh, consumer news companies, uh, which was really cool space at the time. But um, if you've paid attention to the news recently, like Apple is now eating a lot of that. Twitter and Facebook have definitely eaten most of that space. And we figured that out in about 2013 that um, it was going to be only the big players that could really win and decided to get into a different business. So we spent a lot of time looking at things we had some level of expertise on, areas where we understood the problem a little bit or had people on our network who could who could educate us on problems that their businesses were having. We wanted to be in the SaaS space. We wanted to be in the enterprise space where we had some some knowledge. And uh, we started a company called Ambition. And Ambition is a sales performance management platform. We think it's a modern sales coaching and management platform, which most of the tools in the space are 
pretty, I would say, aged or at least a little bit maybe, you know, look a little bit more like yesteryear, feel a little bit more like products from the early 2000s. And, you know, notoriously enterprises are slow to make changes and, and big companies don't don't love to do that. But, uh, you know, we've had a, a really fun time getting in there and becoming uh, a new player, a really different option from some of the tools that are available to people. And, you know, we get really excited about affecting the um, career path for reps, making managers uh, more effective coaches and, and team leaders, and then delivering better results for, you know, VPs and leadership. So, so you used to describe, I think you guys used to describe yourselves as like fantasy sports. Yeah, that's right. Combined sales. Is that still kind of in the mix or not really? We don't use that a lot. Okay. Uh, the OGs know it, like yeah. yourself. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, what's funny is that a lot of people still hear ambition and they think fantasy football for sales, which is cool. Like that was a really clever, um, you know, I would say like a a good wedge to get us in. It's very memorable. It's easier for people to understand. They think, okay, you're going to make this fun. You're going to make some level of competition, get get the metrics or scoring involved somehow. All that stuff is actually pretty still true. Like we do want to have, um, hyper transparent, um, performance. We want to, assign some type of value, whether it's point or, or, uh, you know, more like attainment to Mm -hmm. the different Mm -hmm. KPIs and metrics that people are trying to accomplish in their role in sales. Um, but we do a lot more now we do one-on-one coaching. We do goal management. Um, we do like what we think of as a little bit more sustainable, uh, and probably recognition focused performance management, which is not just like looking at a spreadsheet saying, Oh, Adam did or didn't do what he was supposed to like, right. we give you some levers to, uh, engage people, change behavior. Sure. Uh, and is a lot of that exciting. born out of, I'm sure your collective experience, but I didn't know about your mm-hmm. experience selling with HP is, is, are some of those pain points that you just experienced <clears throat> firsthand? Yeah, for sure. I don't like to throw the HP people under the bus because yeah, yeah. overall I had a great experience there, but, uh, you know, they did they did the same stuff. What we call gamification now. Everyone is doing that. Everyone does that in they do some type of contesting in their orgs and, and some type of ranking system. And at the time, in the I don't know, two thousand nine, two thousand ten at HP, I worked in an office with about two thousand people, uh, most of which were salespeople. And they would put this giant like if you remember those like long printout um like poster boards that you'd get like from some custom printer, like they're like 30 feet long. They'd print those except like vertically it'd be names. So like the whole thing would be like a thousand names of people's rank. And uh, they thought the people who did that thought that was like a good way to get people engaged of like, Hey Adam, go find your name on here. Well, like who knows what row it is? Like it could be 30 rows there. Like you're never going to find it. Um, So there were just a lot of things that I thought were, the right intention, just like poorly executed. And we, there was a lot of that. And so, you know, another thing is when we had these, um, we, like most organizations still do today, they have team sales calls weekly or monthly. Uh, we had it every other week at HP and you know, you didn't know your numbers until the call. And Mm -hmm. so like, that's a really, uh, foreign experience for people like us who are, used to being able to see anything like on our Apple watch or, um, right, just you know, having f- access to data. Yeah, like exactly. That. Like you can go check mint or you could check like, you know, any of these things that you like orange theory, if you go work out, like you see all the stuff about you versus your peers, that was, uh, that was just not the case. And so I think there was a lot of these things where millennials like myself and like you were kind of like 
shocked at how the corporate world treated performance and treated even like the, um, the motivation and recognition mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our, uh, listeners are, are in the B2B space are good for either, them. I like yeah, that. Uh, or either founders or are marketers trying to grow, you know, brands in that space. And, uh, it seems like growth and sales have sort of been melded into one thing when it comes to, to B2B, mm-hmm. uh, when we talk about it a lot. And so, how, you know, what are you seeing right now, uh, just through your customers and through the people that you're serving, the industry you're serving, um, that, you know, maybe would be helpful for, for those people as they're trying to meld growth or sales teams. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I definitely agree that there is a, um, I think there's a big shift that's happening across the, I would say the sales landscape, which is the shift to everything is about the customer experience. And so, you know, at ambition, I can speak for us. And I think this is applicable to a lot of people we don't think about it linear linearly anymore where it's like, Oh, a lead engages with us. And then somehow we talk to them and then we qualify whether a buyer and then we take action against that. That's like the traditional, very, um, you know, very one directional comes in through marketing becomes, um, a deal. And then we renew them. It's a circle now. And it's kind of like this continual, um, you know, I think of it as like this flywheel type process where people can come into our cycle all over the place. They could come in as a customer where they're a director or a manager somewhere, and then they go become a VP somewhere else, which they become a new customer. We want them to have an excellent, um, you know, an excellent experience with our product before they become a potential buyer in the future. Um, We get a ton of referrals to our customers. So, you know, I think of what traditionally we think of as like marketing, sales, CS, they're almost interchangeable, like everything is touching everything else. And that means you have to have uh, an amazing customer experience since before customer to a renewed customer um, throughout the entire process of implementation, um, setting things up, delivering best practices. Um, And that's very different for a lot of people. A lot of people think of sales as very transactional and growth is very much like Oh, well, I'll put more money in or I'll hire more salespeople and then like more dollars will just fall out the other side. Uh, you really have to be intentional to create this like nurturing process all the way through, I think, to do it really effectively mm-hmm. and to, um, you know, to build a, an amazing experience for your buyer who they don't care what your sales process is like. They don't care what the commission system is like. They don't care about any of that stuff. They just want to feel like, when they were looking to buy a tool or solve a need that they had, the experience with your brand or with your company was really was really good. Mm-hmm. And um, people take that with them and they tell other people about how they bought something. Uh, and I think that has an immeasurable amount of effect on, on your performance. So a lot of times in the B2B space and really just in general, um, the initial part of that, the, the pull, the tug, whatever is yeah. triggered either through some relationship or, um, as you know, content has become this, mm-hmm. uh, nebulous, but all encompassing thing that everyone's doing. Right. And so <clears throat> I know you're a big Twitter guy. You've got, <laughs> you've got takes. Uh, and so, uh, I've got so, a ton of takes, too many <laughs> takes. The team tells me. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I love to just kind of troll through people's Twitter's prior to interviewing them. And I saw today, actually, you were talking about the the fact of deal hunting versus just 
content and uh, and the future of those two areas in your mind. Talk a little bit about that for for the BB space. Yeah, the context, and I'm like really bad about doing this whole like. Um, you know, subtweeting someone and just like throwing a, co- a comment, which is like kind of not the best way to use Twitter, I think. But um, shout out Weston Womp. <laughs> I do it to Weston a lot. He's <laughs> he's a good sport about it. Um, but I do it to a lot of folks who are VCs, and and I think that the the context of of this tweet that you're talking about is um, a guy who I don't really know that well, but um, he's a sharp VC. He puts some great content out, and he was basically. Um, highlighting the fact that he has friends who are in um, PE, private equity, and hedge funds. And those folks have like almost extreme low profile. Like they have very scant LinkedIn profiles. They're not tweeting a bunch um, versus himself and his VC friends who are kind of like all over Twitter and like kind of continual. And I'm sure you've seen that too with with some folks in our network. Um, and And that's really interesting because – you know, that highlights what I think is this weird trend that's happening around content, which is, you know, VCs have become, you know, kind of a market where they want to be the fly trap. And so they want to bring people into their honeypot and they use content and expertise to, to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, whether that is like continually quality content or quality takes, or they're putting things that are, great out there uh, we could we could discuss on an individual basis but i think like that's pretty much a, a common strategy now it's like if i'm a younger vc i'm going to put out a lot of content i'm going to have a lot of opinions widely known or try to make them widely known and that will get people into my uh my universe or, or my ecosystem right um vice versa this you know the the gentleman was commenting that like pe and hedge funds really have this like they're out there looking for deals approach, or I think that's what he was basically highlighting. And that is uh, those folks have a hyper-specific value add. They have a hyper-specific target that they're going for, and they don't need people to come to their honeypot. They're going to look for, here's the type of company I want to invest in. Here's the type of deal that I want to get involved in. And when they find it, um, as we've seen, not that we work with any of those folks, but they can be very aggressive about mm-hmm. getting to um, a decision. And it's just it's just two different markets. And I think that, um, you know, we see that in sales. We see that in um, company go-to-market approach. But, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting, um, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but it's definitely well, true. Yeah, None I of the PE people I know are tweeting at all, ever. Yeah, they just don't engage. <laughs> yeah. I, I think what what caught my attention was that you delineated between these two um, you know, these two ends of the spectrum, I guess. Whereas to me, if content isn't serving the second part right. of deal hunting, or if that's not at least how you're structuring, how you create content and, you know, um, what types of content you engage in that I'm not sure I, I know what the purpose of the content is to begin with. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So, so I guess, yeah, how, how do you see that tension happening or what is the purpose of the content if not to deal hunt? Well, I would hope there is a, the, the way that I think about this in ambition context to bring it, I don't want to speak for those guys. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, we want our content to be valuable standing on its own, mm-hmm. right? And so we try to answer questions for the folks who are in our universe, like people who care about, sales management, people who care about being better reps, building a, um, you know, modern culturally forward sales organization. Mm-hmm. 
we want to answer a lot of questions for those people, whether they ever use our product or not, and mm. then them look at us as a resource. And I think most people start with that. Um, they start in a similar man- mindset where there's like, let's do content to be valuable. And I think it's really easy to sometimes get lost in the numbers or get lost in just the ROI of it. And it's like, Oh, let's just hit what's working. Let's just write posts that are working. Sure. We used to talk this working. Whole, yeah. yeah like the numbers, like the yeah, convert yeah. well, which is, you should do things that convert well. Like by all means, there should be a, um, a reason to do the content. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's like higher purpose, um, type of things you can do, which ultimately bring up the whole, the whole ecosystem in our, in our case, this, this sales ecosystem. So, you know, I think about this is, you could go look at our website and see this over time, but like listicles work, like listicles mm-hmm. get engagement. Um, this Buzzfeed style post, uh, it typically gets people to move to the call to action really quickly if they want to, if they're, if they're qualified by it. Um, but it's really, really low it's typically low value. I Mm -hmm. wouldn't say they're all low value or Mm -hmm. not, but you know, we try to have a blend. And so we used to talk about this and we still kind of use similar language, but I know what we used to do even more. You know, we talk about the Buzzfeed articles we we were going to write the validation where we have customers or voice of uh, people in the ecosystem supporting what we believe. And then we're going to do like long form, which Mm -hmm. we called like New York times, Washington post style. So like we would have this spectrum where we wanted to do all of it, not just, the thing that was converting the most because we thought, um, you know, the second and the third options were going to strengthen our brand over time mm-hmm. and really, you know, cement us as a resource and as a trusted brand. Mm-hmm. And we still do that. So I think, um, to your point, like you don't just want to do content for content's sake because like, how much do we need? Right? Like there's yeah. just endless amount right now. And, and I think the, the, like with you guys, you guys have such a specific, target, which is great, uh, as to who you're working with. Um, but within that, like when you are just creating content, especially if it's a generic set of content or just to hear your own voice heard, then you're, you're really going to lose the effectiveness. Even if it is just like a value play where you're offering this to your community, you know, it's going to just be that much less valuable for them. Uh, whereas if you use the content and I think that was where the distinguished, you know, you just explained it, but if you're using the content, for instance, the pod, you know, our podcast, typically right. we're using this in order to, um, connect with other people who are in the B2B space that could potentially either be clients or refer referring partners for us. Right. That being said, because we're doing that in such a strategic or, you know, simple way, anyone who's listening to this will probably never be a customer of ours, but they're going to be able to benefit from it because it has such a target on it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, yeah, like this is, uh, and I think this is a cool thing about the podcast medium is like typically, excuse me, typically there's no, uh, there's no CTA like on a podcast. I mean, there, there are like drop in like stuff. You listen to Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe or these guys, like they're, they're dropping in their partners and they may drop in some like subscribe stuff, but I own so many MeUndies because of Bill Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. So it's working, uh, for those guys, but like the CTA is kind of you know, the engagement is what you care about. And so like the product of a podcast or some people doing video series now, like is very different in that it is, uh, I think they're much more value forward because mm-hmm. it's like, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff right now. How much of that is directly correlated to pushing people to the next part of your funnel is probably pretty low. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
which I think is good. Like I think that is a a good sign of what's happening in the content marketing space mm-hmm. at large mm-hmm. is that now it's like totally acceptable and almost like a negative if you don't have something like this, which is not directly tied to like, how does this make me more dollars? But it ties to how do people trust my brand more? How do we have right. a better, um, pr- you know, impression with our audience or our greater audience? And how are we adding value to the ecosystem? Yeah, exactly. Regardless. Yeah. Um, so that, that makes sense that, um, I think that is the, you know, the thing that we've seen the most in the space is that disconnect can be detrimental to the brand itself because ultimately they end up giving up on content or marketing or whatever because of the, yeah, the lack of... You have to take a really long view, right? Like, yeah. and, and I think that's probably goes back to like people just doing, looking just at the numbers and they get into like, well, listicles just work. So let's just pop out a bunch of listicles. Right, like right. that can maybe work for a while and maybe that creates, um, you know, it may have like a decent long-term value, but I would argue, um, like our friends at Flexport, like they have a great kind of nerdy shipping pod, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. those guys are smart. They're experts in that. Um, uh, Andreessen Horowitz has a great podcast and I think it's very non, uh, like it's not going to convert people to be like, I want to a 16 Z to invest in me. Right. It's just like, damn, that's they a, need that anyway. Right. They yeah. don't need it. True. They're, they have an advantage there, but like, it's like, man, these are just really good stories that yep. I may have never heard otherwise, or really good, uh, expert opinion about something. Um, so yeah, those are two good examples where it's like, does it help the brand? Absolutely. Is that net valuable? Definitely. Mm-hmm. But is there like a clear conversion path? Not really. It's sure. just, it's just value add. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I would add to that what Santosh at, at Dynamo yeah, is doing, sure. I think, is, sure. a, is a good example as well. And uh, because really he's he's talking to, and this is kind of, I think, where those two can come together, the deal making, the content. He's talking to investors. He's talking to entrepreneurs. So he's getting that flow created. Um, but at the same time, he's probably not going to work with 90% of the people that he's talking to. It's just a matter of um, building that library of content, having yeah. a point of view, et cetera. Well, I think the having the point of view thing is key. And then um, something that those guys do really well, too, is like that's a that's a very um, it's not a wide, shallow approach. It's like a here's a deep vertical look at stuff we we think we know about and we have some opinions about. And I think that probably another little tidbit of of advice I'd give to folks doing it is like be be narrow and be deep on something versus, uh, you know, just really wide ranging and all over the place and not, not yeah. super valuable to any specific audience. So that leads well into the, the, the last thing I wanted to get your opinion on, which is we've talked about this before, but uh, there's a, there's a lot of folks in the, Are we talking uh, about NBA trades now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're going to get there. For sure. Um, trust process. We, we, we talk a lot of, we've talked before about the lack of, or the, the dirtiness of the word strategy in the, um, mm-hmm. startup space and in the B2B space, because it kind of, it's like, consultants or it connotes, uh, uh, you know, decks with after work right. <laughs> attached right. to it. Um, but how have you guys at ambition or how have you seen your customers be able to employ sales strategies that are not slimy, that are not, uh, whatever, but are taking essentially what we we're just talking about being a value first, right. Um, having that as your emphasis and then being able to see the result on the other side. Cause just for context, I did a, I did a, uh, two week, 
just driving the Southeast. And I just wanted to talk to companies who we don't work with, but would like to work with and ask them, what's your problem? What's whatever. And the number one thing that I, what's your problem with, why are you not working with us? What's your problem? <laughs> why do you, yeah, exactly. Um, but, and also what's your problem just in the space in right, terms right, of growth. Right. And, uh, the number one thing that I heard was we're hustling, we're doing work, we're putting out a ton of content. We're, you know, we've got 12 salespeople making calls all day long and we're just not getting enough traction, especially VC backed folks. We're not getting enough traction to be able to justify further, either further investment on content side or we're having to scale back our sales team. So, you know, we don't think we should be investing in content and in that type of growth right now because we're cutting salaries. Um, and so that seems to be something that is, or at least I heard a lot. Uh, how are you guys uh, addressing that, or how have you seen that addressed well? Yeah, well, I know it's an ambiguous question, but no, I mean, I think there's a few different things that I've seen across startups and and large companies too. I think one thing where I think being really like a strategic expert and being able to come in and talk strategy or um, at least have a strong opinion about something. It's surprising to me how often we're in companies where they're asking us all of the questions mm. and they're like, what should we do here? What should we do? How should we manage these people? What type of comp plan should we roll out? Uh, things that are like, you know, tangentially relevant to us for sure. But like, you know, we're just some people who make good software. Right. Like we are really excited about that and we're really excited about helping them. But, um, you're, you're not billing yourselves as sales gurus. consultants yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or yeah, exactly. Like, you know, maybe we will one day, but, um, Jared says we'd make a lot more money if we just did that. But I think there's a lot of folks who are afraid to sometimes make the decision mm-hmm. and they would like to have an expert come in and say, here is what I've seen be successful. I know I help someone, you know, implement this strategy or do mm-hmm. this thing. And that's really valuable. Um, but the other side is is that you know maybe the dirty word side of it is for VC backed folks sometimes is they feel like they have to have all the answers and mm. they have to like you go into a VC pitch and and I'm sure founders who listen to this and maybe some VCs who listen to this can understand like you go pitch um, a firm or or forty firms that you have this like amazing vision and you have this exciting plan and it's all going to work and you're going to do two um, X and then three X and then two X and then two X and like whatever the plan is. And like, really when you go to sleep at night, you're like, shit, I hope this works. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really know. Like I'm all of this is new or all of this is a brand new space or no one's ever done it the way we're doing it. So like everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And like in a startup, you're getting punched in the mouth every single day, if not multiple times a day. So I am probably more so, you know, I want our team to approach our customers and say like, let us help guide you. Let us help tell you things that we've seen work before. And if it's not a good fit, like we'll probably tell you before you tell us. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're, I like to think that we do that more than our customer does. And we say, Hey, you know, this is probably not the thing that you should buy right now. Maybe there's a different thing that you need to figure out or a different tool you need to buy before. Like systemically before you're ready for your... Like even if you bought this, like you may have some other systematic issues that would would cause you some pains before you got this going. And that may be a a hotter pain to fix. Um, And I think that's part of just being like net value add too and like having a great customer experience. But um, 
part of that, you have to enable your salespeople to be knowledgeable enough to have that conversation, but also to be comfortable having mm-hmm. that conversation mm-hmm. and to, um, I guess, have like the character to say like, hey, look, I know you're excited about buying ambition.com software right now, but like from what you're telling me, you may be six or nine months away from really being able to utilize it to the best of your ability and to really get strong ROI out of it. Um, and we need to be the type of company that says like, here are some ideas of how to get there. Um, and I'll tell you some things that maybe you could implement today before you have this. But if we do that a lot, people are going to really trust us mm-hmm. and they're going to come back to us time and time again because they, you know, we did the right thing. Yeah. It's so simple. But the thread I keep hearing you say is that basically through the content, through your sales prospecting, through your customer service. And this goes back to what you said at the very beginning. It's just having that, um, thread of transparency that, yeah. uh, kind of is your guiding light among however you're, wherever you are in that funnel. Uh, yeah, I would like to think that we, um, that's a core principle of ambition is transparency is core part of our product. Um, and we think about ourselves like an employee experience company. So like our software is all about the employee experience. I've talked a lot about what I think is key for go to market organizations, which is like the customer experience. And right. If you have those two things working, um, for us at least, like that's, that's the whole, the whole wheel. So like, it's going to be a great experience. It's going to generate more business. It's going to generate positive, um, you know, buyer disposition, um, customer disposition. If every single part of it is about serving the customer, yeah. is our content to serve them is our, um, like not even just the content to get you in the door, but you know, the best practices content that gets hit to you a month after you've signed up or six months after you've signed up. If that stuff is, uh, all aligned and is all about, you know, what's best for the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people feel that. And I think over time, you know, that's in a lot of ways why we've, we've had some of the success we've had. Yeah. There's that full funnel, uh, service aspect. So what are you, what are you most excited about right now? What, what's got you, um, besides Jaron Jackson and the Memphis AAFL or whatever it's called teams. Manziel. Yeah. Yeah. Manziel. Uh, <laughs> finally. Yeah. yeah. Finally. Um, wow. Uh, I, I'm pretty excited about, I think there's a big shift in perception mm-hmm. out there in the market. And like, I haven't figured out regarding you. Yeah. Like just, I think even like, I started to hear it a lot when Qualtrics got bought. Okay. So Qualtrics was a, um, not to knock Qualtrics guys, cause we know some of them, but they were like a survey company mm-hmm. and they kind of became through content, through their branding, through a lot of stuff they did around their brand and a customer experience company. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. that is why SAP bought them um, because they are the best tool and service provider at measuring and maximizing your customer experience. And that was one of the things where I was like, man, that is a big, like SAP is not typically, once again, no offense to SAP, a company we think of as like very innovative now and very fast moving. And they Mm -hmm. did that very quickly. And I think it was a very innovative move. Um, We're seeing the same thing about employee experience. Mm -hmm. We're seeing the same thing about how people change their selling cycle and how they're changing, um, all the different points of it. And so, you know, I think that's kind of like this mini age of enlightenment, enlightenment that's happening, um, for us in big enterprise companies where all of a sudden they care about, um, 
you know, how they develop and train their employees, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. they retain them, um, how they communicate, like I said, the metrics and goal attainment and their performance. And so I think we're still early in that. I think that we've got some big early enterprise adopters who are saying like, this is a key strategic priority for us to make this um, successful. Mm-hmm. And we need to keep our great people. We need to develop them. We need a path for them to be successful. And I feel like even, you know, I can definitely tell you three or four years ago when we went in and sold ambition to people or would just tell them about what ambition would do. A lot of people were like, why I don't need to have a better experience for my salespeople. Like I don't need them to be, they didn't say I don't need them to be motivated, but they would say like, why do I need to do this extra stuff? Commission should be enough. Like they're, they're paid commission. Like they have a job, just go do the job. I don't really hear that a lot anymore, which to me, I think is uh, speaks of this larger mental shift that's happening sure. out in the market, which I think is pretty cool. Aligning with what you guys believe in and what you guys offer. Yeah, luckily, yeah. I think we already believed it. Like, yeah. I don't know that we were – I think it's also, like, just a millennial mind, mindset yeah, that's kind of sure. taking over. Like, yeah. we weren't the first people to think of that, but it's um, permeating large organizations, permeating the leadership of these companies, and that, to me, is uh, – just a really positive sign. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be great for people buying software. It's going to be great for people trying to do marketing. Like they're thinking about what does a customer want versus mm-hmm. like, what are we trying to tell the customer? Um, it's great for salespeople. It's great yeah. for companies like us. Cool. Well, uh, I know the main thing that you reason you came on this is because of our new segment that's being established called the corner three, which is really my pitch for, We've Whatever the pitch is, then yes. Yeah, man. it's basically that we need an office space in which there's a basketball hoop to. I'm a big fan of this. Yeah. I've been I've been trying to promote this on Twitter for a couple years I've now. Seen this, yeah. Um, so uh, what's your? Let's hear your. Um, you know your pitch for the the GM position at, in Memphis. <sighs> Slash, what would you just do? That's Mickey's question. If Mickey's Para question. if Para's listening to this, um, <laughs> hopefully he is. But uh, I assume he is. I assume he is too. I'm sure he's a, a follower, yeah. subscriber. Um, man, Memphis is in a weird spot. I uh, the team's playing kind of well since All Star break. I think they're 500. Did they, did they close out the Thunder last night? Yeah, they okay. won. They won against the, Thun- the Thunder. They might be over 500 since the All Star break, which is uh, which is cool. They have. Jonas Valanciunas playing great. Yeah. That was kind of maybe like a sneaky good trade. Yeah. Um, Conley was out, I think, last night. They have a bunch of young guys playing. Um, Jaron Jackson hasn't even been playing. I don't know. I kind of am interested. They have two or three expiring contracts they could dangle out there. I'd be interested if I was if I was Para. Para take notes here. Um, <laughs> I would try to be a, like a buyer in – when people are trying to clear space for um, Kyrie or Kevin Durant mm-hmm. or one of these guys who are going to be free agents this summer, I would try to buy um, low on someone who they're trying to offload and attach picks, try to try to get picks with that and keep Conley, keep developing um, Jaron Jackson, be like middle of the road competitive while you kind of build up a stockpile of picks for for the future. Mm-hmm. Some would call that collecting assets even. You know, to... the old heads would call that collecting yeah. assets. Some people don't know about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. Uh, but thanks for coming on, dude. Thanks for sharing your, your thoughts yeah, for on sure. the content space and where should people, um, keep track of what you guys are doing, 
at, with ambition. Yeah, please come to ambition.com. There's a ton of great content. Hopefully the things I'm saying is what you'll see on the site. I think they are. Um, if you want a little bit more and a little bit more varied takes, you can come follow me on Twitter, B Trouchold uh, on Twitter. And uh, definitely follow the show. The show's been great. Appreciate you having cool. me on. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review or feel free to send any feedback you have to adam at strafire.com. Until next time. time.